Hi, this is Steve Thompson, and today we'll be reading together Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, Look, she's your servant, so deal her with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Birlahairoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. 86. I'm 48, and I'm too tired to have babies around. We got a puppy just last year, and it was only under the conditions that I just got to be grandpa to the puppy. I got to play with it, and of course, it was going to consider me the alpha around the house, so it liked me best, but I was not going to have to do any of the work with it, the waking up in the middle of the night to let it out, the whatever. That's the mode that I'm in at this stage of my life. So having kids at 86, yeah, that's just ridiculous. And yet, in this culture where they were living to much longer ages still, and their ability to have a family and to have male heirs specifically to share in life and to pass along life and wealth and heritage through, then this means everything. It was a no-brainer. I can have a kid even though we'll both be wearing diapers? Yes, please. Yeah, I don't get it either. 
And speaking of ways in which we don't relate to this culture that we're reading about, are you kidding me with Sarai coming up with the idea to have Abram sleep with one of her servants, thereby making her a concubine, which is crassly speaking, some kind of a second-class wife, in order to fulfill this promise of an heir and of a family. And yet, when we, d- when we d- dig into what was going on in their culture, we find out that this kind of solution to the problem was actually pretty traditional for that time and place. I know, right? We have documentation from that era and region of women, of women being given in marriage, and contractually, they, or their fathers, would agree to clauses whereby if a male offspring was not produced from their union then they could offer up a servant as a concubine or a second wife in order to continue the male or the husband's bloodline. And by right, that child would also belong to the wife because the concubine would be serving as a kind of surrogate. So all of that to say, what Abram and Sarai planned seemed good and reasonable and not at all a problem or uncommon to legitimately bring about God's promise in this way. So, however, just because it's normal in a culture doesn't make it right. What we have here throughout Scripture is the historical context into which God spoke and revealed himself. The focus continues to be on him, on who he is, on what he's doing, and not on the people and how right or wrong their particular value system or practices are, at least not yet at this time. Abram and Sarai believe that they're resolving a problem, and they're oblivious to the fact that they're creating a whole other obstacle, Ishmael, to God's promise. They'll only figure that out later in hindsight. Only we, the readers, have the luxury of knowing that this was not going to go well for them. That said, I want to jump to Hagar and how God revealed himself to her specifically. Again, this is a foreign way of thinking to us, but Hagar got proud, even cocky, that she was the one able to produce an heir for Abram. Sarai takes exception to this and begins to abuse her. We don't have the specifics, but it was harsh enough to drive Hagar to risk running away back toward her home country of Egypt, all by herself and pregnant. This is a huge risk to her own personal safety. So it must have been a really bad scene. Yet God meets her and comforts her and provides for her and tells her that the best option is to return to Abram and Sarai. This is difficult to say the least. But I think what I long for in this situation, what Hagar received, was a glimpse of a God who was with her and looking out for her and her best interests, even when it seemed like everything was going to go wrong. As a dad, honestly, I pray for all of my kids to have one of these moments. I have had them in my life, 
And these moments have been the moments in which I now anchor my faith in this God who sees me, who I have seen come through time and time again. But man, if each of my kids could have the same kind of experience, how would that shape them? How would that give them a foundation of an unshakable faith? I want to tell you really quickly about one of my kids who he, uh, we call it an anger issue is what he has. Um, he has a neurological disability, honestly, where when he's in certain kinds of situations, stressful, emotional, change, disappointment, anger, he has this reflexive fight or flight response that um, he can't get to a non-emotional response. He can't get to a, the reasoning part of his brain when there's that much, not much emotion and that many chemicals uh, flooding through his body and through his brain. And so we've learned that we kind of have to be that um, emotional brain for him in those moments. But that said, we had this moment where uh, it was at night, it was about tuck-in time, and we were talking, and he made this comment that he didn't want to have to get arrested and be thrown in prison when he was a teenager. And I think somebody had probably mentioned that to him along the way, and it was something that stuck with him and something in that moment that he was really scared about, that he saw as a very real possibility. And of course, my heart breaks for him because that's the last thing I want for him as well as a dad. And so I said, you know what, let's, let's ask God what he wants to do because God could heal him in an instant. And I know I pray for that every day, but I figured, why don't we take a moment and just listen and see if God would speak to both of us in that, in that time. And so we did. And after, you know, maybe a minute or so of just being quiet and listening for God's still small voice, uh, I asked him if he heard anything. And this is what he said. Yeah, I did. God said that he's not going to heal me, but he was going to be with me no matter what obstacle I face. <laughs> and I, my, my heart just broke in that moment. I mean, there's simultaneously this crushing feel. It's devastating to hear God say, no, I'm not going to heal you. And yet be overwhelmingly hopeful that God sees and hears and is speaking and is promising to be with him no matter what. And so I, I said that to him and I said, I'm so sorry that God's not going to heal you. But what does that mean to you that God promised to be with you no matter what? And he said, that makes me really happy, Dad. I want him to heal me too. But that God, he, he was just excited about the fact that God promised to be with him no matter what. So I, I feel like that's the same God that Hagar encountered. And it's the same God that speaks to us no matter what predicament we find ourselves in, no matter what obstacles we face. I think a lot of the times maybe we don't hear God because we're distracted by the obstacle and, and we don't stop and pause and listen for his voice. Um, other times it's just everything else is too loud and it drowns out his voice. 
But my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for every watermarker, for my kids, of course, is that we would all have an encounter at some point. Unfortunately, usually it's in some of the worst circumstances, but that we would all somehow have an encounter where we get to know and hear from this God who sees us. So I'm just going to pray for that right now. Lord, for me, this is a pattern. I've seen it in scripture. I've seen it in history. I've seen it and heard about it with people that I know, so many people that I know in my life. You have revealed yourself over and over again as a God who not just sees us, but cares deeply for us, is always for us, and will be with us no matter what. God, if there's anyone listening today who hasn't had that encounter with you, would you whisper that deep into their soul today? And for those of us who have, may we remember and cling to those moments, those occasions, those places where we found you to be faithful and to be with us through even our hardest of times. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. You are good. And I pray that today we could live a life of praise and a reflection of a God who sees us. In Jesus' name, amen.